Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM, PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat, wrapping up hour number three. Ryan, I feel like we've done like a six-hour show up to this point. Oh, yeah, by the way, everybody, Kawhi Leonard got paid more money. He's going to be a Clipper for three more years. And uh, Pete Carroll, he's gone. He's gone. I thought that he wanted to go away because he's going to be an advisor. Then he was crying at the podium, and he he said he's not tired. But the biggest news, I mean, I think this this is probably the best job in college football, what, like the last two decades? Because look at, you yeah. have, I mean, I don't know, we'll talk yeah. about this, I know, coming up, but like, Milrose coming back, you have your starting quarterback coming back, as unless crazy, some of these guys maybe flip. As crazy as it is to say, though, like, is it as good as a job as we all perceive? Yes. You're going to have unrealistic expectations. Tons of pressure. Nothing you could ever do can compare to Nick Saban. Ryan, Alex Fasano, our producer, put this in the chat. Guy won seven national titles. He's a five-time SEC Coach of the Year. 129-23 and 23 was his winning percentage. He coached at the school for 16 years and had 23 losses. He won 11 SEC championships. 11 SEC, 11 championships. SEC championships. I believe he made it to the college football playoff when they expanded to four teams, eight of the 10 years. Like, there's just, it, it's a great job. It's the best job in college football. But at the same time, all these guys that they're reporting, Dabo Sweeney, who's an Alabama alum, Dan Lanning at Oregon, Kellen DeBoer at Washington, you have it so good at all of these schools like you, you'll just you'll never live up to that. Really quick, you know who you got to feel bad for? Tommy Reese could have just stayed at Notre Dame, and he went to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance if like Dan Lanning or any of these. I don't I don't know that anybody's yeah, keeping true. Tommy Reese that's on that true. staff. Do you think maybe Milro? Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll later. talk we, about we it. We got, it. We got I- yeah. Isaac Trotter <laughs> standing by, national college basketball writer for two four seven sports, joins us here on You Better You Bet. Obviously, Alabama football, Isaac, is a big topic of discussion, but I want to ask you about their basketball team because they were obviously the number one overall seed heading into the tournament last year. Number one offense, according to Ken Palm, but their defense isn't very good this year. They played a brutal non-conference slate. The SEC is a really good league this year. So when you look at Bama hoops this year, where do you see them fitting in amongst some of those other teams in the SEC with the Kentuckys, the Tennessees, the Auburns, those kind of teams? Yeah, it's weird because the predictive metrics with Alabama, they they love them. But for me, I just feel like at the end of the day, I, I just think that they're in a second tier in the SEC this year. I think when when you look at Kentucky and what, what they can do offensively and when then you look at Tennessee and their ability to have a little bit of two-way brilliance and Auburn, who's so deep and can kind of beat you with their offense and just so strong inside and then beat you with their guards. Now we're a much improved Denver Jones, Aiden Holloway, Katie Johnson, just got a lot of guys there. I feel like I trust those three teams a whole lot more than Alabama. And so for me, like when I watch Alabama, I know what I'm getting from Mark Sears, but Grant Nelson and Aaron Estrada have been their second and third best players. And I have no idea what to expect every night. And I'm not really sure that Nate Oates does as well. I think there's a little bit of push pull with Aaron Estrada where you need to play him, but sometimes his mistakes drive Nate Oates crazy. And you just see him fling a pass out of bounds and Nate Oates immediately runs to get him and grab him and throw him out, you know, get him on the bench really quick. So it's a very weird team. I think that, you know, they're going to continue to be really high in those predictive metrics because I mean, there is some credence to beating teams the way they beat them. You know, beating teams by 50 is more important than beating teams by 30. But I still like other teams in the SEC just a little bit more. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I usually don't buy into Kentucky this early in the season in January, you know, maybe later on in the season. And I never trust Cal, obviously, once we get to the tourney. But where are you at with this Kentucky team? 
it's weird. Like you kind of come into the year kind of downing down on them, but some of these late additions have really been huge. You know, Antonio Reeves was a guy who did not want to be there. He wanted to transfer to, to enter the portal and to be a graduate transfer. And it just didn't work out for his grades. And he has to come back to Kentucky. And Trey Mitchell was a guy who was on West Virginia until Bob Huggins gets a DUI. And it feels like those two guys coming to the team and being a part of this team have really just like answered the bell for them. And I know that the freshmen are the story, but the the ability to play differently and that these veterans, what, what, what they're doing right now has been a huge, huge win for John Calipari. And, you know, these freshmen are awesome. You know, Rob, Rob Dillingham is maybe the fastest player with the ball in his hands this year, the way that they're playing with tempo, the speed Reed Shepard. I feel like he just doesn't make any mistakes on both ends of the floor. And DJ Wagner is even another guy that has started to play better lately. And I think that Justin Edwards, who was the presumed SEC freshman of the year coming into the season, I think there's going to be a, a time where he starts playing a little bit better and has his like DJ Wagner moment where you start seeing the, the, the guy that you expected in the preseason. So I like this Kentucky team. I mean, you look at some of their futures. I think they're third uh, right now in the SEC. Uh, you know, I think they're plus 470 at a couple different books. Like that, they feel like one of the teams that are in that top tier, and there's a pretty big gap between them and Tennessee and Auburn in, in the books market. I'm not sure that's necessarily legit because, yes, it's a young team. Yes, we've seen them have some moments where they play like a young team. This is also a team that I think has the highest ceiling of anybody in the SEC. And just it comes back to the way that they're playing differently, these freshmen, and, you know, a, a change in style from John Calipari. And I don't think he's looking back. Yeah, this Kentucky team, as you know, Isaac, they're kind of bugaboo the last couple of years has been shooting, and they got plenty of that on this year's team. I want to ask you about Marquette because obviously one of the top teams in the country coming into the year, so much talent, Kolick and Cam Jones and all that they have in their backcourt. But it's like when I watch Marquette play, it just feels like they're missing something. And ever since Shaka was at VCU, he has struggled in the tournament. Like, are you still high on Marquette moving forward or do you do you have some questions with them? Yeah, I think that at the beginning of the year, I was really, really high on them, thought that they were potentially, you know, one of the top two teams in the Big East. I got a little flack because I picked Creighton over them to win the league, but like, I think it's pretty clear that they're a, sh a score short, right? Like Tyler Kolek can do his thing. Cam Jones can do his thing, but they're really missing that third guy. And a lot of people thought that David Joplin could potentially step into that role. And it's tough when you ex ask, have to ask him to guard the opposing team's best wing and then have enough energy to play to bring it on the offensive end. It's, that's just not really his game. He hasn't really grown into that yet. Some of their young guys still haven't really asserted themselves as like, hey, I got to be the number three. I think in theory, you know, Oso Iguodaro is supposed to be that guy, but I don't know if he's best suited to be someone you just hand the ball to on the block and say, hey, can you get a 16 and eight tonight? Like, that's just not necessarily the best version of him. So this is still a really good team. I think it's a team that's going to make plenty of noise in the Big East. I think that they're not going to beat themselves moving forward. I think they're starting to play a little bit better where they're going to figure themselves out. But if they don't have a third guy emerge, that third score, I, I, I just don't know if we can really trust them to put it together in a big, big run in March because they just it feels like they're one guy short and they just don't have that last little missing firepower link. Like, it's a good team. Maybe they get a good draw and they can make a run. But I don't think it's quite as dominant as some of the teams that near the top of the of the country. Yeah, uh, Isaac, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at tonight's slate, and I'm pretty excited. We get seven AP-ranked teams on the road at unranked opponents, five of the top nine teams in action tonight. Uh, we get UConn taking on Xavier. Kansas takes on Central Florida. They're hosting their first Big 12 game. Tennessee at Mississippi State. Any upsets that you like tonight? I mean, obviously, winning on the road this season seems to be pretty tough. 
Yeah, it's been super tough. I, the one game that I've been looking at is North Carolina against NC State. We always know how those type of teams play against each other and those home dogs yep. and, a, and a rivalry spot like that is kind of juicy. But I've been looking at the props market for this game as well, too. I think there's a really interesting one with Armando Baycott over 11 and a half rebounds. The things that I look at from the props perspective is both these teams play fast. You know, NC State's offense does not turn the basketball over. NC or North Carolina's defense doesn't turn people over. So what does that mean? That means a lot of shots. And DJ Burns is probably the guy that most expect Armando Baycott would guard. He's not a stretch five by any means. He's kind of kind of be in the lane. And centers this year have really done well on the on the glass against NC State. Toby Awaka from Tennessee at 12 rebounds in 18 minutes. Keba Njai from Notre Dame hit 11 rebounds in 29 minutes. And then I look back at last year, Baycott got two matchups, same coach, same scheme with Burns in the middle of the floor. 18 rebounds in one game, 14 rebounds in the other game. So I get it's a big, it's a big number. 11 and a half is a big number, but I think this is a really good spot for Baycott to do some work on the glass. Yeah, I like uh, I like both of those plays, Isaac. I want to get your thoughts on uh, some of these mid-major teams, right? Because obviously you're plugged into college basketball, and everybody wants to know who's going to be that team, that FAU, that San Diego State from last year that makes a deep run. We have a game tonight: Indiana State and Drake, two of my favorites that I can't wait to watch. So, who are some teams that Right now, people aren't talking about, but, you know, it could be a 12, 13 seed uh, come March Madness time that you think could be a tough out. Man, Indiana State and Drake are two really good teams right there. Those yeah. those coaches, too, I think are, are ones to watch at the, at the at the next coaching carousel. You know, the other team that really stands out from the mid-majors perspective is Grand Canyon. Uh, they get Tyon Grant Foster. Uh, eligible now he's a former number one juco player in the country was expected to potentially be a pro former uh, kansas player but he had you know a heart issue at depaul he missed two years now he's kind of come back and out of nowhere he's playing like one of the best players in the country averaging well over 20 points a game and that's a, a roster that bryce drew has put together that's loaded with former power five transfers kind of transferring down. So that that's a roster that they don't play in a big time conference, but that's a really good team. And that's a really, really talented team. And when you have it, an alpha like Tyon Grant Foster, that's a big one for, for me. And then, you know, another, another mid-major team, I guess, I, I guess we call them a mid-major, but they don't feel like it is Colorado state. You know, the mountain West is great this year. I yeah. think they have maybe four or five, maybe even six teams that could make the NCAA tournament. And Colorado State, when you have a point guard like Isaiah Stevens and the way that they move the basketball offensively, they play together, one of the highest assist rates. They take a lot of threes. They take great shots. Isaiah Stevens is, can probably be the best player on the floor at any time he plays. Those are the type of teams that I like from the mid-major ranks. When you got an alpha that can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody. And Grant, Grant Foster at Grand Canyon has that, and Colorado State has that with Isaiah Stevens. Yeah, I think those are some great calls on those teams. Isaac Trotter, you can follow him on Twitter, at Isaac underscore trotter national college basketball writer for 247 sports isaac really appreciate the time man thanks thanks man thanks for having us all right some good some good stuff there ryan uh, yeah i grabbed that big hot rebound prop I was already thinking about that anyway. Yeah, over 11 and a half boards. Yeah, that Indiana State-Drake game tonight, you know, if you're just like a casual sports fan and you want to watch a good game between mid-major schools, Indiana State and Drake, two really good ones uh, there. Tonight is a tempting, tempting night because, you know, um, I love these ranked teams on the road going against the unranked opponents. I'm going to do it. I hate myself for it. I know we're going to give out our bets, but I'm going to bet Central Florida 
at seven and a half against Kansas. Oh. I know what you're thinking. I know well, what you're thinking. You know what? Number one and number two went down last night. Houston, Purdue, both lost. We gonna get the trifecta? Is Kansas going down? I think they might. And you know I love betting against Kansas because I hate them. I hate Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> and I'm also probably I hate to do this. I'm gonna bet against Wisconsin because they're not at the Cole Center. I mean, I'm really impressed with them. They have the win over Marquette earlier this year. They're number 15 in the country. Yeah. Going against Ohio State, but uh I like that spot, actually, for the Buckeyes. I think we're going to be going against each other maybe on that one, though, right? I think we are. I like the Badgers tonight. Ohio State, over the last couple years, Holtman's had teams that they've been in these spots where the line's telling you to bet the Buckeyes, and they've cost me so much money. Give me the Badgers on Wisconsin. Power Hour, you better you bet. On the way next, we're going to continue reacting to the Nick Saban news. He has retired from the University of Alabama. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.